Hey, welcome along to The Pastor's Heart. We're an audio podcast and uh, we're also available to watch as a live interview on Tuesday afternoons at 2 o'clock on Facebook. But you can watch catch-up episodes of The Pastor's Heart at thepastorsheart.net. We'd appreciate if you'd give this podcast a rating and a comment that helps lift our status in the iTunes ranking. And uh, if you'd like to support the ministry of the Pastor's Heart as we attempt to serve Christian leaders, if you could become a Patreon subscriber at www.patreon.com slash thepastorsheart. Well, good afternoon and welcome along to The Pastor's Heart. Dominic Steele is my name and it's great that you could join us this afternoon. Next week on this program, we're going to be talking to Marshall Ballantyne jones and we're going to talk to him about the senior pastor and pornography. Today, we're talking really about what Albert Bernstein calls emotional vampires. Um, pastoring difficult personalities in Christian ministry and how do I as a senior pastor express the love of Jesus to uh, different personality types, uh, the narcissist, the histrionic, the paranoid personality disorder, the OCD, both types, uh, the psychopath or the person with borderline personality disorder. Um, There are people within the church community that consume much more than their fair share of everyone's time energy and particularly the senior pastor's time. Now Jenny Woodhouse is a former chaplain to the Professional Standards Department of the Anglican Church in Sydney. She's now a chaplain with the Church Missionary Society in New South Wales. Uh, She is somebody with lots of experience at dealing with the hardest pastoral cases. She's with me this afternoon on The Pastor's Heart. Thanks for joining us Jenny. My pleasure. Now we have a stack of questions. Uh, What do you look for? How do you respond? How do you recognise? But um, But first of all, we might just start with what are these um, different personality disorders? (laughs) Yes, very good question. Um, I'll I'll explain it um, particularly with a medical model. Let me start by saying there are generally two schools of thought with this whole area. There are those who think, um, oh look, everybody's personality is just everybody's personality. Don't put labels on personalities. Yep. That's just destructive. It's destructive for the person. You put them in a box, that's no good. Uh, I understand that. Uh, there are, then at the other extreme, there's the medical model, which is actually listed out in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, which is like the Bible for mm-hmm. psychologists and psychiatrists. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they have listed and categorised with symptoms uh, 10 different personality disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, So really, we need to keep uh, thinking human beings are human beings. Personally, you are who you are. But we do need some way of uh, thinking about someone's personality uh, and how it impacts upon their personal relationships. Mm -hmm. So uh, a personality disorder is where someone's personality negatively impacts on most, if not all, of their relationships. So basically it's things like um, they've got distorted thinking patterns or or, and they've got like problematic emotional responses. They've got um, an inability uh, to regulate their emotions somehow Mm -hmm. and all of these um, cause interpersonal difficulties really. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about a disorder. Everybody has some sort of 
president. I'm guessing there's a spectrum. Yes, yes, yes. We all share some of the narcissism that's out there and some of the paranoia that's out there. Um, What we're talking about is folks for whom this is uh, either very difficult and distressing for themselves or very difficult and distressing for all those around them. Right. So. Okay, so... um, Recognizing and responding, yeah. yeah. So, so when 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 am I just finding I don't get on with you, and when is it you actually have a problem? Yes, yeah. very good question. There's in the DSM, and I'll stick to this because it's kind of helpful to see a broad uh, overview of what we're talking about with mm-hmm. personality disorders. So, the DSM five has um, three main kind of clusters, if you like, of of personality types that can become extremely difficult. Uh, And one cluster is like the odd, the eccentric person. So they're things, they're really like um, paranoia, paranoid personality disorder or uh, schizoid or schizotypal personality disorder. So schizoid is is, um, um, quite detached, uh, no wish to engage socially. Um, schizotypal is uh, it, great difficulty in engaging with other people. Yeah. So, um, and paranoia is well, it, it's self-explanatory. Um, the the second cluster are around really dramatic, um, erratic sort of behaviour that's really hard to think why anybody would behave that way. Um, those are things like. Uh, uh, your, your typical narcissistic personality disorder um, or histrionic personality disorder, something like that. Uh, antisocial is one of those. Um, borderline personality disorder is another one, but it's quite different. So we're going to put borderline personality to one side just for now. Uh, then the third cluster are really your anxious and, and fearful folks, so avoidant personality disorder. I'm not going anywhere near anybody because it's just excruciatingly painful to try and relate. Or um, dependent personality disorder, uh, which is, um, well, as it sounds, um, always dependent on other people. Or histrionic personality disorder, which is the, you know, everything is a a disaster. Um, So they're the, the major types. When we're talking about what folks am I likely to come across mm-hmm. within a church? It's this—it's the middle type that will cause you the most problems. The middle type being uh, the the dramatic, the erratic. So narcissistic uh, personality disorder, um, or the other ones are um, histrionic, uh, antisocial, and borderline, basically. So and the main. The main ones that are problematic for a pastor. I, I guess I've got two issues. One is I actually want to love that person well, mm. and the other is I just don't want it to take up ninety-eight percent of my time. Do you yes. know? And yes. so, how do I? What's What's your advice for me there? Well, it kind of depends <laughs> on what we're talking about. Yeah. Okay. So if you're talking about a narcissistic personality disorder, even within that, everyone has a touch of narcissism. Um, all of us do, how, how much is it impacting on, on interpersonal relationships? Um, so we're, to- we're talking here, down the end of the scale, where this is actually negatively impacting on most of my yeah. relationships. Mm-hmm. Narcissism isn't necessarily uh, 
everybody has to look at me. I am the best. Um, I'm the king of the world. Why aren't you all paying homage to me? That's an extreme mm-hmm. and more rare form of narcissism. Narcissism is more likely to show itself in um, uh, I'm the one that can understand the nuances around here in this church and I'm the one that you should be listening to because I'm the one that's able to pick up everything and why aren't you listening to me because actually I'm the important one here. If you could just listen to me and so people might start listening to him or her and then that just becomes, it just feeds it. it. The more you listen, the more it feeds this. And, and, and I'm imagining when you've got that person, some people will listen. Absolutely. And, and some won't. And so if you start to act against somebody, say, I don't want to give you more time, I don't want to give you more platform, yeah. then other kind of supporter people will push back on you on that. Absolutely. Um, It gets a little more complicated because, uh, particularly with narcissism, uh, also with um, with the antisocial one as well, and the histrionic. It's there are two types of people in the world. There are the people that think the way I think and believe what I do, and we're all normal. And then there's those people who might have a different um, perspective. Although there's not a concept of a different perspective, it's just this is how it is. Therefore, if you have a different perspective because there's no concept of such a thing, you're obviously saying something negative or opposite to me in order to undermine me, me yeah. or in order to attack me yeah. or show me up. So therefore, the two types of people in the world are us and those people who are my enemies. Let's go to some of our questions that are coming Ooh. on Facebook. Um, we've got one from Ben Pakula who's asking, to what extent does a history of relational breakdown signify the possibility of a personal personality disorder. For example, if somebody sees somebody with a history of people falling out of friendships, is that a big indicator of personality disorder? Or, or is it more subtle than that? Yeah. It's a pretty good indicator. That I've just had a string of relational breakdowns. Yeah, yeah it's quite a good indicator of a personality disorder. Um, there are not... It, it's around this concept of having another perspective... Um, or seeing the world in black and white. So uh, if, you, if you're consistently um, falling out of friendship or out of relationship with people, um, it's probably because uh, they've gone into the black camp. Uh, so they've either challenged you on something or they've said they've got another perspective or and therefore I can't be friends anymore. So... You know, everybody gets into conflict. Mm-hmm. We all get into conflict. You worry if someone's in conflict again and again and again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. what do you do, senior pastor? What do I do when I kind of realise we've got that person? and how, how, What's my strategy? Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, you won't notice it for quite some time. Uh, so it usually takes, um, oh, you know, 12 months, sometimes mm-hmm. up to two years for anybody. So someone comes into your church and they'll be lovely. They'll yep. be lovely. Because you haven't challenged them on anything yet. Yeah. So they'll be great. And they'll, you know, probably be keen to do things and, and get to know you, etc, etc. They might be married and their spouse won't say anything to you. Um, so you'll get into this pattern slowly but surely, like a frog in a pot, get into a way of relating uh, to someone with that t- 
kind of erratic, dramatic personality disorder, that you start to pick up that you're being manipulated, um, that you're being... Uh, that you're that there are now eggshells developing in this mm. relationship. Yeah, you start to pick that up about a year down the track, or maybe two years down the track, and by then, it's a bit well. Now what do I do? Because I can't just kind of go chop and chop this relationship off, um, and I can't challenge this person anymore because the consequences are too awful. Yeah, because um, every because if you do make a challenge. They fight you and fight you and fight you and you get three-page emails and four-page emails. Speaking from experience, Dominic. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. And over, the emails... Over, over what actually was the most minor yes. of slights. That's it. That's it. Mostly, you can't actually tell what you've even done or said. Yeah. So it's called crazy-making in lots of the books. Um, because, because they have such a different, personal, uh, different sorry, perspective on the world... We can all talk about something um, that we all agree on, but as soon as you kind of label something, that might not be how they would label it. And therefore, because you've labelled it, suddenly you've attacked them. Yeah. Now, everybody labels it that way. What have I said? What have I done? Mm-hmm. But they've, meanwhile, exploded. So, so. Um, once you recognise that actually, I'm in this... Um, uh, what are they doing to my head? What are they doing to other people's heads? And, yeah. Um, you can usually pick up that you're in it, um, probably after everyone else around you has picked up that you're in it. Uh, and it's also, the, the crazy making takes, um, as usual, a little bit of truth and a lot of uh, rewriting of history on their part. Um, so they come back to you, it sounds a little bit true, no, we didn't agree on that yesterday, what are you talking about, Dominic? We didn't agree on that yesterday. And you think, well, I thought we did agree on that, I must have got that wrong. And so... Um, if you're in kind of the normal range of personality, you're willing to think, I've got it wrong, maybe he's got it right. Then after a while, you'll pick up that, actually, uh, no, why am I always the one that is getting it wrong? Um, so how do you... And it's going to get escalated to you as the senior pastor. and so start with you, it's narcissism. Yeah. And so, I, as I think back about the times when I've been involved in these complex things... It ends up dominating all of my kind of discretionary thought time. Mm, you know, trying to think, how do I manage this complex person? Yes. Um, and I'm spending all my discretionary thought time on that, yep. not on all the other things that would yep. be productive for the gospel. Yes. And so, how do I discipline myself to think about the things that are productive for the gospel and what not all on this one? <laughs> Once you recognise that you're spending all your productive thought time on this, and it's things like, if I can just explain it to him in this way, or if I can just get him in this mood and explain it yeah, that yeah, way, yeah. he'll get it. Yeah. Or if I just tell him that other people are affected, he'll yeah. get it. Yeah. But he won't. No. So he won't. So rule number one is realising that someone with this type of personality disorder is not going to change. We'll never understand they have a personality disorder because actually it's everybody else's problem, not mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, recognising that means... Uh, taking a step back and working out how you can support that person in the church in the way, some of the ways that they can be helped uh, whilst maintaining uh, your own distance from them as much as you possibly can. So getting a support... It's almost a damage control strategy. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. So if you've got, uh, you know, great 
um, some good leaders in the church, leading good Bible studies or something like that. You could, you could get a little team of four or five people, you know, male or female, um, around explaining the issue and asking them to take a lot of the, to be the emotional punching bag for that person um, and take the pressure off you to have to be that emotional punching bag for them. Mm-hmm. So um, that that is probably the only, I've been thinking about personality disorders for 30 years and that's the only thing that really seems to work for a minister in a congregation trying to have this person as part of their congregation, wanting to include them and love them um, without pouring inordinate amounts of time and energy down into a black hole. And is it going to be the case that they're going to be in your congregation, consume lots of emotional energy and time, and then two years spit you out, leave in high dudgeon and move on to the next church and then do it all again? Or is that too much of a net... Okay, I was going to say, is that too much of a negative take? (laughs) That's pretty realistic. Right. Yeah. I mean... That does seem, though, I mean, it, it, it feels like a, just, is it just kind of something that goes with the territory then? Do you know, that as, as part of leading the people of God, you've got to deal with the fact that there's going to be this kind of recurring hassle yeah. going on? Yeah. yeah. It is. And there'll be, there'll always be someone in every congregation um, who has some sort of personality uh, disorder that impacts on their interpersonal relationships. Okay. Well, I'm going to go to Cameron Griffith's question yeah. now then, because Cameron's asked, I'm not sure if this is part of the area you want to discuss, but I'm interested to hear how Jenny seeks to not just negotiate around these difficult people, but how to try to fulfil or fill their needs with Jesus. Now, ah. now that's a really calling us to be positive. Is there a way to do that? Um, I'll give you my gut feel. Yeah, please. <laughs> my gut feel is... Of course you want to f- fill their needs with Jesus, so you, but you try to minister to them in the group where it's not more expensive time. Yes, yeah. Whereas it's because it's the individual time that's really expensive. Yes, Do you know, yeah. But what's your take? What's your... Um, my thought um, automatically goes to the word needs. And so what are the needs of someone with a narcissistic histrionic antisocial personality type? Um, their needs are... Uh, it's usually coming from a a terrible, um, empty, you know, starting place. There's nothing to me. Um, I'm inadequate. Uh, I I shouldn't exist. Um, And so that generally uh, leads over time through childhood and into adulthood uh, to one of these kind of personality types. And so the needs are endless within someone with this type of personality. Um, so uh, the only way that those needs can be met is with Jesus. It's the only way they can be met. Those met, needs can't be met anywhere else um, because all their social interactions are, are a desperate attempt to um, be important, to be worthy, to be valued. Um, it, it's not a nice way to live. You don't want to mm. live in that head. Um, so actually... Uh, being able to change the way we look at someone with one of these personalities um, is helpful. Uh, we would end, probably end up after 18 months or two years of this kind of draining on us, thinking, I can't stand this person. Every time the phone rings, oh no, it's going to be him. Uh, we need to actually change the way we relate and respond 
so we need to be looking at that person and thinking. So, for example, um, if you have someone in the congregation who has an IQ of, say, 70, you, you're not going to ask them to do certain sort of things mm. because they, they can't. We know that. Okay, right, they're, they're unable to and we can get that. Or if, we, if someone comes in a wheelchair, we're not going to ask them to get up and walk up the front. We, we can see that. We understand that. Well, it's like that with a personality disorder. We need to see someone with a personality disorder as being incapable of relating the way that most people would relate. Mm. Um, and therefore, it's not my fault. They're not attacking me personally. I wouldn't want to live in your head. Um, how can we get a team of people around you to kind of... Okay. Take, yeah, do it. I've got a couple more that I'm going to give you. Yep. Mark Short uh, has asked, uh, what does sanctification look like for the person with a personality disorder? Um, how do we establish reasonable expectations of what Christian maturing looks like and communicate them to that person? So, yeah, because yeah, we, we, I mean, you do in principle want people to be growing to be more like Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you do. <laughs> It's it's the question. It's the question that nobody can answer. Uh, that you know, if you've lived with someone with a personality disorder, um, the constant question is: Is he? Does he know he's lying, or does he think he's telling the truth? Yeah, I'm just thinking about a guy I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I've been dealing with, and that's been my question because. Uh, he said something in front of seven of us and we all responded together because of what he said and now he's written saying, I didn't do that, yeah. I didn't say that. And I think, what? what's going on? Yeah, that's it, <laughs> crazy making. There it is, in action. Um, so it's, you, you just, how do you work that out? And so either they're really, really wicked and just lying and rewriting history all the time for their own ends. Or... They generally don't know. They genuinely, genuinely don't know. Um, and if they genuinely don't know, how can you actually confront them with sinful behaviour? Mm. Then you confront them and say, do you know that you lie all the time? Do you know that you rewrite history all the time? Um, do you know that you ascribe motives and, to people And I would know that I shouldn't say all the time to somebody I'm, no. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to say when this happened yes <laughs> that was and not make the generalization yes yeah. and you can say that to someone with a personality disorder like this when this happened then that's what and they will say no i didn't and you then okay yeah. martin scott kemp has asked important question thanks for putting it on the agenda it's also worth asking what can realistically be done when you suspect the pastor has a personality disorder so I mean, have you been in those kind of situations where it's actually been the pastor with the problem? Yes, yes, once or twice. Um, so it depends. Uh, it depends if we're talking Sydney Anglicans, mm -hmm. um, Anglican Diocese of Sydney, very little can be done. Uh, and because, because the only way you can remove a senior minister in our denomination is because of um, immorality or um, uh, there, are, there are kind of very complex ways of removal, you mean? Is yes, you yes. You, you can remove them by a tribunal. Yeah. But they're not doing anything that goes to a tribunal, generally right, yeah. speaking. Um, they're just uh, dividing the church into two. Um, and the, and half the people can think, this man is totally mad. He's, like His expectations of everyone are, are out of proportion. He never listens. Everything he says, he has to be right all the time. He has no pastoral skills. 
And the other half, well, probably less than half actually, um, have never challenged him and so he's wonderful with them. And so they think, what are you talking about? No, he's fine. Um, and so a congregation usually gets divided. The other way you can remove a minister in the Anglican Diocese of Sydney is to just leave the church. Yeah. So the whole congregation leaves or everyone stops giving money. Um, they're the only two ways you can do something about it. And so uh, in most... So have you, you in the... T- I've not gone through the process of thinking about individuals where this has been the case, but it sounds like you have. And when you've observed those churches, um, uh, what's happened? You you think what's happened is um, they've they've kind of stalled for a while and then the blokes eventually left? Yeah, yeah. what's happened? Yes, um, yeah, a number of things have happened. Uh, Usually the congregation... um, Either a big slab of people leave and, um, and the bishop comes in. So you think, well, what's going on? Why is yeah. this happening? I mean, obviously the bishop's been involved all along, but now they're actually walking out of the church. And so it just becomes a divided church. He will get left with the rest of the congregation um, and often that will dwindle down so he will leave um, because, uh, you know, it's not working for him anymore or... I'm not really sure, or he doesn't have the bishop's confidence anymore. But usually usually the entire congregation suffers a lot before anything happens uh, if, the, if the rector has this type of personality disorder. Well, kind of on that, we have a question from Gordon Cheng, and uh, he says, asking for a friend, wink, mm-hmm. I'm a pastor with a narcissistic personality disorder. What are some objective indicators that something is seriously wrong? What should I do? What should those around me do? Is, yeah. is anybody actually going to ask that question? Do you know? No. Um, I'll chat to Gordon about this a bit later. And he <laughs> says he's asking for someone else, does he? Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, no, because if you have a narcissistic, histrionic, antisocial personality disorder, there'll be no way that you will think, oh, gosh, I have a personality disorder. What should I do? Um, it's not, it's not, they're not the problem. It's the people around them that are the problem and they will let everybody else know around them how terrible they are. Um, so nobody, if somebody says to you, I have a narcissistic personality disorder, what should I do? You should say, go home and sleep it off because you actually can't possibly have a narcissistic personality disorder. Because if you did, you wouldn't see you wouldn't it in yourself. You wouldn't be asking question. Right, yeah. okay. The only one that's different is the um, borderline personality disorder. Yeah, let's do borderline in a second. um, But first I just want to do a question from Darren Middleton, uh, who's asked, what about, um, do you have any pastoral advice on managing someone who won't seek mental health assistance or take medications during psychotic episodes where they're delusional, paranoid, possibly bipolar? Um, In his situation, it wouldn't be unusual to receive 20 frenzied emails, texts or phone calls in a few days during such an episode. Yeah. Yeah, that's not personality disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, there are two types of issues with personalities. Um, we're talking personality disorders. Um, that's, um, that's mental illness where um, all of those sorts of things are dealt with by medication. Personality disorder is no such thing as medication for a personality disorder. So the two very different things. Sure. Um, so with a case if someone's delusional, psychotic um, or paranoid in that sense... Uh, and they're not willing to seek medication, you you can't force them to do anything like that. It's probably just a matter of 
um, attempting to, when they are well enough, sit down with them and talk through what actually happened and see if you can put in place with them an agreement that next time this happens, I'm calling an ambulance or next time this happens, I'm coming to pick you up to take you to the police or whatever it is that might work for that person. Um, But you'd have to get someone when they're well enough to be able to realise, and they will, they'll realise when they're well, oh, I see, that didn't work, sorry about that. Um, Next time I start to do that, then yes, I agree Mm. that you can call an ambulance. Mm. I suppose I'd just add to that one little thought, I'll I'll bounce it off you, this has been one of my little strategies. When I'm in the conversation with somebody and they're wanting to, they're suggesting drastic things, I say, well, Let's just see if you you think that for three weeks, yeah. you know, and yeah. and rather than get into the the big debate over whether or not we should go in that direction, yes. you yeah. know, yeah. Um, let's just see if you think that for three weeks, and yeah. then I don't have to get so yep explore all the issues. Oh, the yeah. nitty gritty of all the different yes, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, little caveat, except if they're talking suicidality. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. That's and then very you helpful. ring yeah. an ambulance. Yeah, straight away. <laughs> Next one, you said borderline personality is different a couple of times. How is it different? What's the issues there? Yeah. Um, So borderline personality disorder does not mean it's on the border of a personality disorder or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was actually first um, recognised in the 1950s uh, when when there were two types of, like, mental illness. You could have psychosis and neurosis, and it kind of fitted both, Mm -hmm. and so they put it on the border between psychosis and neurosis. So that's why it's called borderline. Um, it uh, often develops uh, from a traumatic childhood experience, um, either, you know, so, something like sexual assault in childhood or attachment issues in childhood if there's, if there's um, difficulties or disruption in attachment. So then someone uh, who has suffered that and then has a personality or a, has the you know, genetic makeup that will head down that route of personality disorder and, and thinking patterns, um, then that will start to develop, particularly through adolescence mm-hmm. and into early adulthood. Um, and it's, it's really uh, emotional dysregulation is the really big thing um, for borderline personality disorder. Um, and there are a couple of other things as well, which we haven't got time to go into, but uh, you, can certainly, you can certainly pick up uh, emotional dysregulation fairly quickly. So it's just um, it, you say something, you've no idea what you've said, and they've just exploded out of all proportion. Yeah. Someone with borderline personality disorder can recognise that the dysfunctionality, it's about attachment, you see. So someone with borderline personality disorder is terrified that you're going to leave them. Yeah. So if I become friends with you and I start to think, oh, you're going to leave me, um, I'm more likely to do a preemptive strike and stab you in the back yeah. um, than to let you just leave me. Yeah. Um, so, and I will more likely explode and just out of all proportion. And it also goes with self-harming. Mm. So you've got this little cluster of symptoms here and you've got borderline. Most people with borderline personality disorder recognise that their personality is impacting on all their relationships. Most people with borderline are able to take themselves off for help, be diagnosed as borderline, and be able to say, I've got borderline, borderline person. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also a therapeutic approach, um, which has proven over years to be quite helpful with borderline, borderline. person. Yeah. Mm. Now, as we do the pastor's heart, we talk about 
your heart. <laughs> and so I'm just thinking, um, tell us what God has done with your heart as you've dealt with all of these different people over such a long period of time. Mm. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been in two fairly significant relationships with two different people um, over the years who one was narcissistic and um, paranoid personality disorder and the other was a borderline personality disorder and both of them extremely full on and both of them I got caught in before I realised it and kind of found myself stuck in this relationship Um, and it's been uh, it's terrifying to think because I thought it was me for so many years because they're very convincing at explaining just how this is your fault and not my fault. Very convincing. Um, And so when someone comes along and says, oh, they've got narcissistic personality or they've got borderline, then believe them because you're usually the last one to to pick it up because you're so kind of enmeshed and entangled in this friendship. Um, And so... Over the years, I've, I've looked back over that and thought, how can I be so stupid to get caught up in this stupid friendship? I'm the and professional this, in yeah! this. Yeah! <laughs> and this person's manipulated me into this... Um, but actually uh, realising that what's inside that person, I don't want to... Oh, that would be really hard to live with. Um, and so someone with a personality disorder just evokes... Compassion in me, um, and I pray and pray and pray for these two people all the time that they will be, that they'll find Jesus, that they'll they'll have eternal life, so that we can see who they're really meant to be. Um, and yeah, I guess uh, it's it's changing, isn't it, from just being annoyed and angry with someone who wants to manipulate you and control you into having a, an overwhelming compassion that that person's. That's a hard place to live, being so desperate to to feel wanted and valued all the time. Mm. Mm. Jenny Woodhouse, thanks very much for talking to us this afternoon. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. My guest has been Jenny Woodhouse on The Pastor's Heart. Of course, Jenny, uh, a chaplain with the Church Missionary Society New South Wales, a former chaplain with the uh, Sydney Anglican Church's Professional Standards Department. Now, next week on The Pastor's Heart, we're going to be talking the senior pastor and pornography and uh, Marshall Ballantyne Jones is going to be my guest. He's doing a PhD on that topic, well, on pornography and the Christian. Um, and uh, we'll be asking him uh, to share some of his thoughts, some of his research, some of his uh, early conclusions on that subject. If you've got a question, you could put it on the Facebook comments, uh, but also you could email me at dominic at villagechurch.com.au. And um, if you've got a private question that you don't want your name associated with. Thanks for watching us this afternoon um, and, uh, and listening to us on the podcast, On the Pastor's Heart. Hey, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we would love it if you could hop over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating and review. That helps us in the rankings and lets other people discover the pastor's heart. And again, if you are able to help us out by being a financial partner, go to our Patreon link, patreon.com slash the pastor's heart.